The winner is. 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 And the winner is. What's the like of seeing your luggage? Sometimes. That means sometimes. There can be a hundred people in a room. Maybe there is right now. I know it's tuna, but it, it says chicken. I don't know her. She always has these long lists of like diva demands. Cheetos and Doritos. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. I understand you embrace the term diva. Hello, divas, divos, and divs. Welcome back to another episode of Diva Dailies. This is a podcast where we deconstruct divas on film, TV, and in music. I am one of two hosts of this pod. My name is Steffi. And before we bring on the other co-hosts of the podcast, we got to get through some housekeeping. So if you are interested in following us on social media, we're at Diva Dailies Pod on Instagram, Twitter slash X, whatever Elon is doing over there, and TikTok and threads. I think threads is no longer a thing, but whatever. We're still there. You can always email us as well. We're divadailiespod at gmail.com if you want to share your thoughts about an episode or any other diva related topic. But now it's time to bring on the co host of this podcast, Jamaican Horns. It's Angie. Hello, everybody. Hello, Angie. <laughs> you have a lot of energy this this week. I mean, I'm trying to like be a bit more like, woo, even though this episode is once again a downer. <laughs> <laughs> and more of a downer than last week. I know. Oof. This is really dark. Yeah, yeah. I guess we could say as well, a disclaimer going into this episode, we will be talking about the nature of how Selena died. I'll put in the description for the episode where that specifically starts. Mm -hmm. And I also included moments where you do hear Yolanda talking. So if her voice triggers you in any way, I'm just like giving you a warning. I didn't include as much of her voice as you think I would, but you do hear her voice. So once again, what do we all say, listeners? Fuck Yolanda, Fuck Yolanda. Saldivar. Yes. <laughs> and I do want to say, as much as we hate Yolanda sometimes, well, in this context, it's important to hear her because it gives a yeah. kind of a full picture of all the events and how crazy she actually is. And oh my God, you guys, when I was editing this episode, I found a clip that I had not previously watched while we were recording. And Yolanda literally gets asked, so how did it feel like meeting Selena for the first time? And she deadass says, it's like meeting Whitney Houston. And as you all know, as a huge Whitney stan, that really sent shivers down my spine. Like I was here in the Philippines. It was like 11 in the evening. And when I heard that, I like looked around. I I thought Yolanda was going to like fucking pop up from behind me. I got so scared. Yeah. That clip is in the episode, but I'm just giving you guys like a, you know, warning. Um, But before we get into all of that, we do have some listener feedback. Yes, let's get into it. Okay, hit it, Janet. Okay, so... Our first listener feedback comes from my friend, Melanie, the other Melanie B. Yeah, yeah. And she DM'd me and was like, listening to Diva Dailies, yes, I remember that in Spanish class, (laughs) we were backing you up. 
these white girls had no idea about the story. Ha ha ha. <laughs> You're welcome. Confirmed. <laughs> the people in Spanish class that knew, they knew. And the ones that didn't, I told you so. I told you so. Like, why would you make up such a, like, a descriptive death? A very specific yeah, breakdown like... of her dropping the rose. <laughs> like... Well, now they know. You told them. Um, we also have um, another DM from listener Felicia, and she said, oh man, I don't know if I'm ready for this episode. Getting Used to You is my favorite repeat track for English, and Two Solo Two is my favorite Spanish track. Don't get me wrong, I love every track on this album, but those are the first ones that I play. Fair, fair. Two Solo Two. Solid choices. Shout out. Any any um, fans of the Techno Cumbia? <laughs> Here you go again. <laughs> right in. Right in. Right in. The Technocumbia. Oh my gosh. And then we also had another DM from Al. And he said, just finished listening to the podcast about Selena. And during the whole episode, I couldn't stop thinking about this. And then he sent me like a Instagram video of T.S. Madison, mm. like getting ready. Oh, Puerto Rican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that one. was a Puerto Rican. <laughs> Y'all know I love me some Puerto Rican. I spelled Puerto Rican in this. Rican. Ooh. Selena wasn't Puerto Rican, bro. Selena wasn't Puerto Rican? No. She was Mexican. I told Alice, like, well, clearly I'm going to send our episode to her immediately. <laughs> Do it. Do it. So she will know. I love T.S. Madison. <laughs> beedy, beedy, bum, bum. But the girl that played her Puerto Rican. That's not the point, though. J-Lo, she That's Puerto Rican. That's not the point, though. She's playing the real person. The real person. The real person. The real artist that she's playing is not Puerto Rican. With J-Lo ain't Motown either, but she was singing Motown at the... Oh, anyway, y'all. And then we have a tweet from Coolness941, friend of the pod on Twitter. Yes. Also, shout out to Coolness941, because I'm pretty sure when they retweeted the episode, more people started interacting with the tweet. So I don't know if we got new listens from that, but thank you, Coolness941. But they said... Great episode. Dreaming of You showed potential, but like you both pointed out, it's a bit of a frustrating listen. She was only in the beginning stages of recording the album before she was killed, so what you get is a random assortment of new and old material. And then they continued, Also, I can't believe none of you mentioned Whitney Houston when breaking down the musical influences in I'm Getting Used to You. The way she ad-libbed at the end and sang You in her head voice was straight out of Whitney's early 90s playbook, LOL. And then I responded and was like, oh, my God, now that you mentioned it, I can totally yeah. hear it. And I said, definitely early Whitney and just early 90s divas in general. Yes. And then Coolness941 replied and was like, yep, you can listen to songs by most female R&B pop singers from that period. And that singing style was so prevalent. Absolutely. Absolutely. How did we yeah. miss that? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, she was she was a huge R&B fan. Oh, yeah, totally. And we also did mention Mariah and Celine as well we did we did oh well speaking of music though angie did you do any of the playlists yes oh okay so we could shout that out oh my gosh yes i did an aretha playlist 
Who else did I do? I did a Selena playlist. Oh, Shout out okay. to Selena. Did you include the techno cumbia in that playlist? I did. Oh I my did. god. Okay, that was two funny. different versions. Wow. Okay. Yes. No matter how I feel about the song, I know it's a popular song. So the 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 DJ head in me would not not put it on a, a playlist. But um, I made playlist called Diva Essentials, and it basically is like the divas that we cover. If you're not really into them, if you want to know the essentials of what you need to know, then boom, there it is. So I made an Aretha one. Nice. And a Selena one. Nice. And then I made a vibe playlist. You know, for the Leah episode, we were talking about vibe artists. Yeah. So, you know, I put a playlist together of like the vibiest songs Mm -hmm. that I love. Oh my gosh. Well, you guys, there you go. Spotify listeners. Angie is curating playlists now. So if you yes. listen on Spotify, you can do that. Shout out to Angie. Yes. All right. Well, I think it's now time to jump into the actual episode. So here you guys go. This is part two of Selena. Hope you enjoy. It's dark, but it is what it is. So fuck Yolanda. And on that note. Welcome to part two of our Selena Diva Discography episode. When doing these Diva Discography episodes where we talk about a specific album, the conversation is going to be divided into two parts. Part one, reviewing the album track by track, which we did in the last episode. So if you haven't listened to it, make sure you check that out. And then today in part two, we will be reviewing the era where we talk about career context, scandals, controversies, the music videos and live performances, marketing, stats, and the cultural legacy and impact. However, Selena's Dreaming of You is a very unique case. Since... She died in the middle of making this album. Our conversation with this era is going to be unlike any of the previous episodes we've ever done on the podcast, probably with the exception of Aaliyah. But even Aaliyah, as we discussed previously, at least lived to see her album released and spent the last month of her life promoting the album. Selena never even finished making the album. So while going through the different segments, we're going to try our best and fill in the blanks. And with that, there will probably be overlap with Selena's previous album, Amor Prohibido, just so we at least have something to talk about, or else this would be a very short episode. And we have one Miss Yolanda Saldivar to thank for that. (laughs) And we will be getting into her in today's episode. But Angie, are you ready? Yes. As ready as we'll ever be. Uh, Yes. Pretty legendary if you ask me. I love it. And this era will always have such a close place in my heart. Like I cherish every era. All right. So let's get into our first segment. This is Popcorn and Pop Stars. This is where we talk about career context, where the diva was at this point in her career when she made the album, and not only why she did the album, but more specifically what she was trying to accomplish with the album. So Angie, tell us the story of Selena during this time. So talking about Selena is very interesting because we are not talking about a singer who didn't see superstardom or was like on the rise. Right. Yeah. In all intents and purposes, she was 
the fucking Beyonce of her time in Tejano music. Yeah. And she was called the queen of Tejano. How's it, how's it feel to be back here in Corpus? It feels good. It's good to be back here and have our family and friends supporting us here in our hometown. Well, it seems like everything you, you touch seems to turn to gold. All your records <laughs> are so hot, they keep going up. I think that's part of the, the up to the fans. You know, we just dish out the music and they're the ones who, who buy it, so. So she had her breakout album in 1992 with Andre Amimundo. And from there was success moment after success moment. Although her first number one on the Latin charts was Buenos Amigos with Alvaro Torres. She saw other number one success with Bidi Bidi Bum Bum. Two solo two. Solo two. Fotos y recuerdos. Prohibido. Amor prohibido, murmuran por las calles, porque somos de distintas sociedades. And no me queda más. That song specifically spent seven weeks at number one and 33 weeks on the charts altogether. No me queda más que perderme en un abismo de tristeza y lágrimas. No me queda más que aguantar bien mi derrota y brindarte felicidad. During this era, before her her death, she also was nominated or nominated and gained multiple awards, including a Tejano Music Award and a Grammy Award in '94 for her live album. The Grammy goes to Live Selena. Um, I'd like to thank the company Capital My Latin, Jose Bajar, uh, for making tonight possible and having faith in us, putting faith in us four years ago. I'd also like to thank uh, my band, Los Zinos, my father, Abraham, my brother, who's a producer of my music, and also my sister. Thank you for all the support. And I'd also like to thank all the My Latin family. Thank you for having faith in me. I love you. Thank you. She was at the top of her career in Tejano music. Yeah. Even though she didn't see that in the crossover realm, she was at the top. Right. In the Tejano world. Like, she was doing the damn thing, you know? Yeah, like, she was pretty much, I think, as high as she could get in her sub-genre of music. And, like, this was now the time to cross over. Like, this was the moment that she had been waiting and working so hard towards and her family had been working so hard towards. So, like, here we go. It's going to happen. Yeah. And it was probably going to happen. Uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There was no doubt about that. Like, again, if she was putting out hits, like, 
dreaming of you and I could fall in love. Like if those were just the tastes. Yeah. Those were only two of the songs. Yeah. Oh, it would have been done. Yeah. <laughs> That's the main takeaway. <laughs> right. <laughs> I also have here too, aside from music, she was getting into fashion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. With the boutiques. Yeah. She opened two boutiques called Selena, etc. And there was one in Corpus Christi and then another in San Antonio because she's from, she's a Texas girl. Yeah. And she was planning on opening more stores in Monterey, Mexico, and Puerto Rico. And that's an important setup because um, uh, someone by the name of Yolanda Saldivar was managing her boutiques. I'm sure Angie's going to get into that in a little bit. But her fashion was actually becoming very successful. She was able to earn over $5 million and she was ranked among the 20th wealthiest Hispanic musicians in 1993 and 1994 with the fashion and music. So she was like in her building an empire oh, and yeah. brand. Oh, yeah. For sure. This is the other side of Selena. High energy like her music, high style like her videos. Selena's dream of launching a fashion career came true in 1994 when she opened her Selena Etc. store on Everhart and another just like it in San Antonio. You're going to be really busy next year, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, and oh, you I got, we got another shop opening up. Oh, all right. Another boutique and salon opening up in San Antonio and hopefully you'll be able to come down. Which is so interesting to think that she was doing that in the early 90s because now you know when we look at artists today like you know rihanna yeah like huge success with fenty and yeah. so many other celebrities have tried doing their own like clothing line their own beauty line but this is selena doing that in the 90s yeah she was she was the it girl the beyonce the rihanna before those two were even thought of mm-hmm. jeebus gosh i know <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be one of those episodes today it's gonna be one of those episodes yeah i think hopefully this will be the last of these episodes because even though we're doing oh next week oh yeah we're in the next episode i think because there was some distance between absolutely yeah her death yeah and the album like you know we could kind of look at the album for what it was yeah and just be like oh this is the last but like with selena it's so hard yeah because like <laughs> but I will say it was a conversation that we had off air. You made a great point that doing these three artists, Aaliyah, Selena, oh. we get to see them at the different stages of what a celebrity death could mean for a project. How it impacts. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Selena dying before the album was even created. Aaliyah. Yeah. But only just a smidge of you know promotion time marketing time and then oh. having a whole era she had the era you know yeah and yeah. so we mm -hmm. get to see the different stages but i think with selena is just it's more devastating because uh it was so senseless yeah it didn't have to happen i mean yeah, at all and, yeah i mean the same could be said about oh and lalia but i don't know selena's uh murder it was just it's like for what for what yeah for what oh god i know mm. okay well um before we move on to the next segment where we're gonna get into all of that um what do you think was the goal the at least the original intent and goal of dreaming of you the album of course the crossover it, it was it was to crossover like you stated before she pretty much did everything that she could in the Tejano world. Yeah. But 
there's also this other space that she wanted to occupy. And we kind of forget sometimes that Spanish was like her second language. Right. Totally. She was an English speaker, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some of her biggest influences was like Janet and Michael and Donna Summers. Right. And she wanted to like sit in that space. Mm-hmm. as an English singer, you know? Yeah, and that's a really good point you make too because even though, yes, this was supposed to be like the crossover album, I think another goal of this album was to really introduce Selena to the mainstream American audience that wasn't yeah. so in the know with like Tejano music and whatnot. Right, exactly, yeah. Because it's actually going to be like starting all over again. Nobody knows me in the sense in the English market. So, But I'm ready. I'm ready for the work. Gotta try. (laughs) And for me, like, I think that's one of the reasons why I really like Selena as well, because, like, being the child of immigrants and kind of relating to that immigrant experience. And they talk a lot about this in the movie, how she felt like she wasn't American enough for the Americans or Mexican enough for Mm. the Mexicans. Like, I think a lot of kids, like, you don't have to be Mexican to relate to that experience, especially if you're a child of immigrants so that's something i really yeah. i really like about her but you're totally right a lot of people they forget that spanish isn't her first language it's english like she's very much an american yeah person like she's a mexican-american yeah. person so listen being mexican-american is tough anglos jump all over you if you don't speak english perfectly mexicans jump all over you if you don't speak spanish perfectly we've got to be twice as perfect as anybody else <laughs> It was kind of displayed in the movie. Yeah. Remember, there was that one scene where she had to do the interview. Yeah. And her dad was like, don't say anything. Just like, you know, keep it cute. Selena Spanish is. What about my Spanish? I've been singing in Spanish for 10 years. It's perfect. Singing, yes. But when you speak it, you speak it a little funny. She had that moment where she kept it cute and said something in Spanish. And Uh was like, whew, save the day, you know. Right, right, right. Tienen preguntas? Oh, Selena. Okay, well, yeah. here we go. We're going to get into Spill the Technicolor Tea. Who is it? Mrs. Potts, dear. I thought you might like a spot of tea. This is the part of the episode where we talk about any scandals and controversies from the era, so. It's like nice to have a little tea party every once in a while. Well, Angie, take it away. Well, I do want to say trigger warning. Yeah. Because unlike the other artists that we've talked about or going to be talking about, this is the only artist who was murdered. And so we're going to be talking about murder details and... I'm not even going to go into like super big details, but the details that I'm going to give are crazy and triggering. So big trigger warning. But before I even get into that, I want to talk about the troubles with EMI. Okay. Her record label. So of course we know that Selena was trying to cross over and it was a huge topic of discussion. We'd like to make an announcement. Uh, I'm sure all of y'all have heard rumors going around and stuff. So, uh, we're gonna set the record straight. Uh, Selena's just signed with Capital Worldwide. So she'll be up there with all the guys. So Selena was signed with EMI and signed to them in hopes of creating an English album early on in her career. But 
the heads of EMI thought it would be good to create a large fan base, then cross over. Mm. And we all know how well she did that. Yeah. It was a success. Selena has a lot to look forward to, not the least of which is money. Her ability to sell records and fill concert halls on both sides of the border have attracted lucrative endorsements from companies eager to cash in on Selena's appeal with Hispanic consumers. We play to a lot of people. Um, we play not only to the people here in the U.S., but we play a lot in Mexico. And, and hopefully we'll be able to spread out in the year and, and be able to play for English. Then she went back at a certain point to the heads of EMI and asked to do an English album, and they said no again. So she then went to sign with EMI of subsidiary label SBK Records uh -huh. in November of 1993, following the Grammy nominations of the live album. Our English album's coming out uh, for SBK Records at the end of the year, so we'll be playing also for English-speaking crowds. Well, we've been with Capitol for about three years, and that was our initiative from the very beginning, was to cross over to the English market. And it's taken this long to finally, you know, get things rolling. And we're just really excited and we just hope that, you know, we can do the best that we can and, and people accept our music. So then Selena had a conversation with the head of Sony Music Latin, Jose Bihar, and she was telling him that she kind of felt embarrassed and guilty for like talking about this English album, but it like nothing was happening. Right. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you about that, that album because, you know, everybody's really anticipating it, you know. We what, are what, too. Have it's you recorded album. anything at all on it or have you even gone into the studio and done anything with it? No, we just have all the songs and, and uh, we barely closed the deal with Pete Thomas and the project has to be done by this year. She had been talking about it in interviews and, oh, it's coming up, you know, stuff like that, but nothing was happening, uh -huh. all that stuff. And the English album is still coming out. I know we've been talking about like forever and ever. <laughs> So Jose Bihar ended up going to the, the heads of EMI and said, if you don't give her a crossover album, Selena and her band are going to leave the label. Mm. Even though that's not what Selena had said, he just took initiative and was like, yo, <laughs> this is going to happen. And after that moment, recording began <laughs> for this album. Yeah. So she had to like really push yeah to make this album absolutely we've been working on this for three years now and finally it'll be coming out at the end of the year off sbk records we're really excited about it what kind of music are you gonna it'll be pop rock and of course you know there'll be some ballads mixed in but it'll be you know selena you know, it's gonna be different from everybody else from the mainstream but it'll be run on and i think that's that's also kind of what makes listening to the album hard yeah because you know how much she really wanted it absolutely Absolutely, yeah. And that must be so strange for her to have to fight to make like an English album. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like I was saying earlier, like she's American. Like you, yeah. she, she's Mexican, but she is a Mexican-American. So yeah. that must be, I don't know. I don't know how to ar quite articulate this, but to like try to prove your identity right. that is just like, I am this, yeah. but you, the industry, are boxing me in. Yeah as only a Latin artist, but Spanish wasn't even my first language. Exactly. Like to think that you went to a label and was like, yeah, I want to do an English album, but saw her surroundings was like, nah, let's do a Spanish album. Let's get your Spanish, right. you know, Spanish speaking fans like involved. Uh -huh. And then maybe, maybe 
you could do an English album. I honestly wish, like, because, you know, like, the the conversation about, like, representation, but especially because now, like, the children of that generation of people who immigrated from a different country and they were born, you know, in the United States or they moved to the United States at a very young age, but they pretty much identify as American. Right. I think now that generation is older, so we're starting to talk about what that experience was like. Yeah. But I... I I wish we could hear Selena talk about that. Yeah. Because that must have been so, like, I don't, how do you navigate being told, well, actually, Selena, even though you're right. um, exactly. American, exactly. Um, we only see you as a Latin artist, so kick rocks. <laughs> and it's like, it's 19, 1990s, you know, 91, 92, 93. Yeah. And they're only... Like blueprint really is like Gloria Estefan. Right. I think any Miami sound is just a big blend, just like New York. New York is a big blend, but Miami is more like a 50-50 between Latin and, uh, and Anglo. It's just a, a blend of uh, da- very high energy dance rhythms uh, that we've listened to in the States all the time and mixed with Latin percussion, but not all the time. Sometimes we use it, sometimes we don't. At the beginning, we were accused of watering, da- that we were like watered down salsa, but that's exactly what we are. I mean, we're not, we could play strictly salsa, but that's not what our sound is about. The Latin market are very supportive. They are, uh, they've been behind us 100%. And uh, on the contrary, they're very proud of the fact that we've brought Latin music and more into the mainstream American market and pop market. And so she had to do the like Latin base, fan base, and then crossover mm-hmm. and so they're probably taken for the Gloria Estefan book and being like okay this is the only way we can do this right you know yeah because this is you know this is pre Ricky Martin and pre you know yeah pre that whole wave that yeah comes, yeah honestly probably because of Selena it's literally like the Selena movie drops and it's like 97 98 yeah that's when like they all start blowing up yeah the big boom mm-hmm. going into 99 the Y2K era because definitely by the end of the 90s and especially once you get into the 2000s, the influence of Latin music and Latin culture is just so prevalent right, in exactly. America. Yeah. So she for sure would have been a part of that. Like she would have been at the forefront of that. Absolutely. Okay, Angie, are we going to start talking about the uh, Yolanda Saldivar of it all now? Unfortunately. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Let's just get into it. Again, trigger warnings. So, Selena died on March 31st, 1995 at the age of 23. And again, unlike the other artists that we've talked about in this series, Selena is the only one who was murdered. Right. Looking at the case files, it's the first time I'm reading. I was actually reading like the trial documents and stuff like that. And it, it was a it was a brutal murder. And I... I was shocked by a lot of the details because I had never heard wow. it in detail. We just already know fuck Yolanda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And we yeah. keep it pushing. That's the conclusion all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's important to know before we even go into the, the murder, it's important to know who Yolanda Saldivar is. I completely agree. So let's paint a picture. <laughs> because this chick right here. She is a woman despised by millions of people in this country, in danger of being harmed, even though she's behind bars. Tonight, a revealing interview with the woman who killed Selena. You may remember that thousands of fans gathered in the streets to mourn the death of this vibrant young Hispanic singer, a rising star in the music world. Many still wonder, why did she die? 
people just think of her as like this chick who kind of stole money from Selena and then to not get caught just murdered Selena. And that's really not the case. <laughs> this chick was crazy. This chick was mad crazy. Okay. Yeah. So Yolanda Saldivar was a passionate fan of Selena. So she started off as a fan of Selena. And having seen her perform for the first time in the early 90s, she decided to start a San Antonio-based fan club and contacted the singer's father, Abraham Quintanilla. And she contacted him several times to ask if she could be a club president for the San Antonio-based fan club. In San Antonio, Yolanda Saldivar, a 31-year-old nurse who frankly didn't like Tejano music until she saw Selena perform, started a fan club. You're in your early 30s, you have a career as a nurse. Fan clubs are usually for people who are a lot younger. What, what was compelling you to do? Going through my college years, I had no social life. I had none, because I, I devoted myself to my university, my career, my, my license. Now it was time for me to have fun. Now, we need to put fan clubs in, in context. For those who don't know about fan clubs, it was essentially like the Twitter of the artists back in the day. Yeah. You know, fan clubs were everything. That was like our only way to get closer to an artist and to get promo and merch and stuff like that because it wasn't like what it is today where you could go to Old Navy and pick up a Janet shirt. You know, you had to go to the fan club and then order it, mail it out, mail order, wait for it to come back. Like it was that type of thing. So fan clubs were really, really important. And you had to get people to run these fan clubs. It was definitely like a grassroots kind of movement. Absolutely. Absolutely. Even for our artists as big as Selena. And I think also um, a huge key with the fan club experience in the 90s was this idea of like creating community amongst fans because unlike the internet where you could connect with anyone anywhere in the world who's a fan of even the most niche things the idea of this fan club was to find other fans who like the same thing as you absolutely again outside of creating community it was one of the only ways to get merch and the the possibility of an artist maybe writing a letter to you, even though if it was like a, a stock letter, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, oh, my God. they And they signed it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all of those small, small things that were huge to fans. It is interesting when you think about like the evolution of just like fandom in general. Yeah. yeah. And the 90s, there was definitely that kind of like DIY. Oh, yeah hustle yes <laughs> compared to <laughs> now right. because of the internet and social media and and i think being a fan in the 90s too that's kind of like the the appeal of it is this idea of like the hunt oh yeah because you have to do a lot of work yeah just to even like get a modicum yeah. of like access or attention Absolutely. compared to like now it's like well I'm just going to try and hit them in the DMs. They right. probably don't open their DMs, but I'm going to try it anyway. Maybe I'll like post a comment on this Instagram post. Like, it's just so, it was yeah. so different. So tell me about your first meeting. I was like meeting Whitney Houston. <laughs> so Yolanda ended up meeting with uh, Selena's dad. And after that meeting, Selena's father, Abraham, agreed to bring her on as like this manager of the fan club. But by 1991, December of 1991, she was deeply involved in a lot of Selena's business affairs 
and became a close family friend. She was even appointed, as stated earlier, as uh, the manager of Selena's expanding boutiques. So Yolanda started off as a mega fan and ended up as a family friend. And what's crazy with Yolanda, too, is she was working as a nurse. And then because her being the president of the fan club and the family was like, wow, Yolanda, you're doing such a great job. And she was gaining more access to not just Selena, but her family. Yeah. And the business and financial affairs. And the money. And the, yeah, the money. She quit her job as a nurse to take on being like president of the fan club and managing these boutiques. Yeah. So she like weaseled her way into the inner circle. Right. Absolutely. And uh, again, you guys got to realize by gaining access to the family and specifically Selena's businesses. Yeah. She had access to the accounts, to the credit cards, to all of this stuff. So it was easy for her to drop the nursing job when she had access to the, the millions right here. Yeah. And people were like, oh, yeah, we trust you. But here she is a freaking maniac. Anywho. At one time. My whole family liked Yolanda. You know, we would invite her to come eat at our house. You know, we'd have a get together and we'd invite her. It was that her friendship had grown from being just a fan celebrity type to this personal type of relationship. So this leads us into the fan club fiasco. Oh, God. So Selena's father, Abraham, received complaints about Yolanda's bad management and the inability to send items that paying fans had purchased, Mm. which is a huge thing Mm -hmm. if you're a part of a fan club, right? Mm -hmm. That is like the thing, okay? I don't want to send $50 for a t-shirt and a signed, you know, photo, and I don't get it, you know? Right, yeah. So then um, Abraham learned that Yolanda had stolen over $25,000 from Selena's businesses, Later, he contacted Yolanda and advised her to cease contact with Selena. Selena's father says they had confronted her recently about the theft of thousands of dollars from his daughter's fan club and chain of clothing boutiques. She said they're cool as a cucumber. No emotion, never tried to deny anything. Following pretty much, you know, banning Yolanda from Selena, it was stated, according to Abraham, in the, the testimonies of the trial, that Yolanda apparently tried to murder Selena four different times. Oh my God. Before she was successful on the fifth. Wow. Oh, it gets crazy. Like, I didn't know any of these details. Again, in the movie, they don't portray this crazy part. But reading the details, it was just like, oh, no, no, no. She was, she was missing some marbles. Yeah. For sure. Quintanilla, now living with the silence of his daughter's empty recording studio, says his documents prove that Saldivar embezzled more than $100,000 from Selena. He also says he was increasingly bothered by Saldivar's possessiveness toward his daughter. And I did start noticing uh, an obsession with Selena. In my opinion, she was living a life through Selena. Here you have a person that's... uh, Nowhere in life, right before uh, uh, she killed Selena, I found out that she was talking, stalking Selena by phone. Now we get to March 31st. On March 31st, Selena had followed Yolanda to the Days Inn in Corpus Christi, where she was staying. According to court documents, 
Yolanda had apparently coaxed Selena to her hotel by telling her that she had been sexually assaulted and was bleeding profusely. Okay. Because the night before Selena had seen Yolanda to give her the paperwork, but she was with her husband, Chris, at the time. And I guess Yolanda was trying to get her back to the hotel by herself. So Yolanda had called Selena to ask if she could get her to a doctor. And Selena ultimately went over to the hotel with a doctor on call. And after calling the doctor, Selena became immediately upset when Yolanda changed her story. When she spoke to the doctor and said that she wasn't really bleeding Mm -hmm, and all mm -hmm. of that stuff. And there was like kind of a big blow up. At this point, Selena had told Yolanda that she couldn't be trusted and began to try and walk away out of the hotel room. Uh, According to the trial information, Saldivar allegedly took out the revolver from her purse and shot Selena in the shoulder, which caused massive blood loss due to a main artery being hit. And didn't like Selena, like she, after she got shot, she ran to the lobby. Oh, yeah. And she identified Yolanda as her killer. And she like gave the room number and everything too. But isn't that, that's like fucking insane that you got shot and you're bleeding profusely. Like you don't know at the time, but this is the shot that's going to kill you. But you have the wherewithal to make sure to identify. No, this is the bitch that fucking did. I mean, she didn't probably say it like that, but like this is the one who, this is the woman who did it. That's crazy. Like, go Selena in her dying moments. We have a woman ran in the lobby, said she's been shot. She's laid on the floor and his blood. Okay, who shot her? Uh, the lady in 158. Her name? Yes. Yolanda? Yolanda? Afterwards, apparently Yolanda tried to escape. So, it was later thought that Yolanda was trying to leave to go shoot uh selena's father as well oh my god so after the shooting yolanda entered her red 1994 gmc pickup truck and again tried to leave the hotel parking lot however yolanda was spotted by responding police officers and was ordered to get out she didn't comply and held a pistol to her head and threatened to commit suicide and this began a nine-hour standoff right that ultimately involved the swat team and an FBI crisis negotiation unit. The woman suspected of shooting Selena is still holding police at bay. You're looking at a live picture right now coming to you from navigation where the standoff continues. She has a gun and has it pointed at her head. It's our top story tonight, Friday, March 31st, 1995. By this point also, Selena had been pronounced dead. This is 6 News at 6 with today's top story. One of the biggest stars in Tejano music, Corpus Christi's Selena, is dead. I realized when I was watching the news all night long that it's not a fake. It's real. She's gone. Yolanda ended up confessing during the, the standoff, although claiming everything was an accident and that she was meant to kill herself instead of Selena. And there was like a tussle because Selena didn't want her to kill herself. So she was trying to tussle off the, the, the gun from her hands. And then uh, that's how she got shot. And I grabbed the gun, put it to my head. I pulled the thing back. And I said, if you don't leave, I'm going to do it to Lena. And she got up and she says, Mom, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about this. I'm going to close the door. 
And when she was walking to the door, she was going at an angle. And I told her, don't close the door. And in that instant, the gun went off. But why didn't it hit you? Because I was pointing to the door, and it just went. Yolanda went on trial in Houston for the assassination of Selena not long after the murder on October 15, 1995. According to the New York Times, her lawyer claimed that, again, the gunshot was an accident. And they went on to say that Yolanda intended to harm herself instead. San Antonio attorney Ramiro Estrada has been retained by the Saldivar family. Yolanda's uh, state of mind is an issue in this, in this case. After the testimonies from the Salinas family, Yolanda was sentenced to prison for first-degree murder on October 24, 1995. 35-year-old Yolanda Saldivar is beginning a life behind bars. Two months ago, a jury found her guilty of first-degree murder of Mexican-American singing sensation Selena. She was given a life sentence. That's 30 years before a chance of parole. Saldivar will spend those years in a Texas women's prison under heavy guard, isolated from other inmates who may want revenge against her. And you guys, she is said to be released on March 30th, 2025 and I just realized that that is the day before Selena's death anniversary I like as oh, I was she's typing a goner. <laughs> she's a goner <laughs> she's a goner they really set up Yolanda they really did with that one <laughs> the way <laughs> yeah your reaction <laughs> oh my gosh yeah that's in two two years I don't yeah I don't think she's gonna make it too long on the outside oh no because it's still to this day people talk about selena and it's like oh yeah fuck yolanda yeah i mean listen, listen to us yeah like, we're not even like huge stands but right. like we're still very much <laughs> fuck yolanda as i was reading the details i was like oh no this bitch gotta go like no yeah and this is literally what eminem stan is about oh yeah it's like totally this situation uh-huh long term she was like a cuddling bear teddy bear that she would allow you to, to love her. I told her that, that I loved her like a daughter. And she goes, y you know, I give you that ride. She would call me mom uh, on the phone. She, she called you mom? Yeah, she says, hi mom, how you doing? Prosecutor Carlos Valdez pieced together a motive. The defendant had wrapped up her whole life uh, around uh, Selena Quintanilla Perez. And her whole world was walking out the door and she wouldn't stand for it, so she shot her. She's a deranged fan, like for real, for real. She is giving Pale Man from The Bodyguard. Oh my gosh. Yes. No, no. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Like that's <laughs> yes, Yolanda. Right. Yolanda, oh. a young Yolanda Sadovar probably fucking watched The Bodyguard. Oh my. Yeah. Pale Man. Absolutely. Yeah. From Pale Man from The Bodyguard. Hello. Mommy. That's your baby. Is that you? No. Because she really took advantage of that relationship. Absolutely. Like in so many ways, like fan to artist, mm -hmm. the fact that she's like an older woman yeah. taking advantage of this younger girl yeah. who doesn't really know any better. The sad part is it seems like this may have been inevitable. Mm. It was essentially when Yolanda either got caught like she did or snapped. Yeah. Because... Realizing she was that obsessed with Selena, 
she had access to her in a very specific way. She's yeah. young. Yeah. Uh, she just got married. And although she was like with Chris, she was still an industry girl. Right. Yeah. Like she didn't she didn't have kids. I'm sure the relationship would have changed dramatically once she started having children. Yeah, you know, yeah. so the relationship to Yolanda would have shifted. Mm-hmm. So that could have been a break. You know, mm, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You're dealing with a, a mentally unstable person who's just like waiting for the moment to break, essentially. Yeah. To justify. Oh, she's mine. Yeah. And nobody can have her. Exactly. Exactly. If she can't be mine, then she can't be anyone else's. Right. Oh, God. And the crossover success alone, because America, the American audience, that is like on a different level. Like, yes, the Latin Hispanic community is huge. It's huge. Yeah. But then adding, adding. Yeah. America, Europe. <laughs> Yeah. Now we get into like South Africa territory, Japan. Yeah. All of these like other huge spaces like, oh, no, no, no. Things are going to change. Right. So dramatically. Now she's going to be going on towards possibly bigger than the ones that she was going on Mm -hmm. in Mexico and Central America and stuff like that. Yeah. We're going to be doing promotions in Europe and in uh, Japan and all that. (laughs) Well, when are you going to the Orient? Um, that won't be till after the record release, uh-huh. you know, of um, the album's released. Because what they do, they have a meeting with uh, EMI, all the subsidiaries, and they they kind of like get together and, and find out which artists are going to push worldwide. Mm-hmm. And our our contract is worldwide, so, I'm, yeah. so it's going to be. Well, you're a worldwide kind of entertainer. Um, Something was about to give, regardless. Because like the bigger she gets the more she belongs to the world than she does belong to you. Exactly. And Yolanda is someone who will, she just doesn't have the ability to comprehend that. Right. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, I know. Oh, I get the ick. Yeah. From just like, even like listening to her voice. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yolanda, whether it was accidental or whether it was intentional, you were responsible for Selena's death. How do you live with that? It was an accident. I'm dead inside. I have no feelings. I'm like a walking shell. Selena will always be a daughter for me. She will always be that gentle child I never had. And I thank her for it. There's a link to Selena now that nobody can devalue nor uh, remove you know through one act she has now established a notoriety that will remain and her name will be linked to selena's memory and that for her in a sense reestablishes that uh, special fantasy well i have here like how did you find out she passed but were you like in the know of selena prior to her passing because she died we were like i mean i was one years old so i didn't really know what was going on in the world but like what about with you? Were you kind of aware of who Selena was? Or do you remember news reports? I, I don't remember anything. I didn't know who Selena was hmm. until I saw the movie. Right. In 97. And I remember watching the movie for the first time and thinking it was just a movie. Like these were fictional characters. And yeah. watching the whole film... Not knowing who Selena was, I was like, oh, this is a great movie. Yeah. Oh, this Selena, I, I wish I could be like, Selena, oh, she's pretty. You yeah, know, like, yeah. 
And then it got to the end and Dreaming of You is playing and you're just like, bitch, what? Yeah. And then like you read like the the title. Yeah. You're just like, And huh? everything. You're like, wait, what the hell? And you got the fans with the, you know. the Yeah. And you see like real Selena yeah, too. Yeah. And you're like, and, oh, and you're like wait, yeah. hold on. You know. Um, so that's how I found out about Selena's murder was via the movie. Yeah. I would say similar to me too. I, I know I talked about it in the previous episode, but I actually was more familiar with like Dreaming of You and I Could Fall in Love because Kiss FM, which is a radio station in California, was playing it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't know that the person singing that song had died and it wasn't right. until I watched the movie and I put two and two together. I was like, yeah. oh, wow, this is a real story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <sighs> Well, um, do you like know during the time when like Selena died, like how the death affected the industry? I mean, the Tejano industry kind of shut down. There were reports of a lot of Tejano artists who were on tour in like Guatemala um, and other places in Central America halting their concerts, halting their tours to go to Texas and like try to be with the family. Mm -hmm. Well, 2,000 people were inside and people say that doesn't sound like a very private funeral. That sounds like a circus. But for the millions of people who cherished Selena so much, that really was the smallest service that I think that they could have had. Inside we had friends and family. You can see a lot of people from the neighborhood. Not everybody inside was a famous or well-known person. Lots of regular folks. Selena was very well-known for touching the lives of everybody and not just sticking with the stars. Of course, there are some people that you'll see in this video that are Tejano music industry people. But there were. I was really surprised by the number of people inside who were neighborhood people from Corpus Christi. Now, outside, we had hundreds of fans gathered at the front gate, also around the perimeter scattered, who just wanted to see if they could get a glance of anybody in the family they wanted to see who was inside but i think more than anything they just wanted one more chance to say goodbye to selena a weekend of mourning and formal activities just wasn't enough for them and there were little kids there i talked to one little boy alex who told me i haven't missed a day of school this year and this is the only day so far i'm gonna miss and i had to come here today so you can just tell from the mood out there it was somber they just wanted one more chance to say goodbye like even if you didn't know who selena was it's this young artist who was murdered right it's like once you see how beloved she was by certain community you're like who the fuck is selena right right yeah and then and then it becomes this this bigger thing and already again it's this like fan turned close family member who committed the murder right and then there's like this nine hour standoff situation like it was just like all these elements right the industry had no choice to stop and look Mm-hmm. whether you knew her or not. And it's just like so sad too that like because her life was cut so short, she like died so young, the nature of her death is so violent. It's so unfortunate that a lot of people when they think of Selena, their first association is her death and like how she died. Absolutely. Because she she didn't live enough life for that to be more dominant in the conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, you know, a Whitney Houston or a Michael Jackson or a Prince, like they did die young. They died yeah. in their like late 40s, early 50s. But like they had lived a much longer yeah. life for us to be able to talk about other things before the death. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and there's like, well, well I'll talk about this in a little bit. But like there's a, a group of young artists that died in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Selena is one of them. 
that you're just like, God, right? this sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, the string of like young deaths in the music industry. It's like nice to have a little tea party every once in a while. Let's move on then to, but we need people to buy the album. But we need the like, audience like, to buy the album. I just took this is when we talk about how the era was marketed, which is interesting because Selena was not part of the marketing at all. And her death is kind of how the album was marketed because it's a posthumous album. So, ah, uh, this is, yeah, this is a hard one. Um, because it's the weight of the potential crossover yeah is making this album or marketing this album and then again the death of selena Mm -hmm. the memory of selena is doing all the the heavy you know the legwork for this album era Mm -hmm. and it it does help that she had two amazing songs oh totally dreaming of you and i could fall in love yeah you know, and that did some work as well. Mm-hmm. But also, again, it goes back to she's no longer here because once you hear those songs, especially Dreaming of You, and at this time, we, we don't have the movie. Yeah. Just the weight of, like, the song Dreaming of You and it being so fresh, too. Yeah. And again, you know, her death is so tragic. So even by the time that this album comes out, it's still, like, it hurts, Yeah, you know? And so you're you're listening to Dreaming of You, you're listening to I Can Fall in Love, and you're just all you're hearing is potential. And it's so crazy that this album was released four months after her death. So like I can't even imagine what it was like for people who were so close to Selena at the time, like having to work on this project. Yeah. After she died. Like they're still processing and mourning and grieving, and they have to think, like, now what do we do? Exactly. You know, especially, you know, the family. Yeah. It was pretty much almost like right away. Like even if they started it a month after, that's still fresh. Yeah. Like April 30th. Like that's that's fresh. Mm-hmm. That's not enough time to, to grieve, especially when I'm sure the news was still talking about it. The Tejano industry, like she was the queen of Tejano. They were definitely still talking about it. the music was still playing on the radio. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. but the memory, the death did most of the, the heavy lifting Yeah, for this era. And in a way, in terms of like how the death impacted the album, like, like kind of like what I was saying earlier, it's like it just brought more awareness of to who Selena was. Yeah. Which it's so sad to think like that was probably a lot of people's introduction to Selena was her death. Yeah. And it's like when you discover someone like that, and you're like, oh, my God, these songs are so good. She's so good. But, oh, man, she's not here. Yeah. She just, like, she just died violently. I mean, that's, if you discover Selena through the movie, like, you're getting that plus the great acting skills of J-Lo. You're seeing the character of Selena through the TV screen, and you're just like, oh, this is an amazing person. This is, like, a, an amazing human being. And then you get to the end of the movie, and you're just like, fucking A. What the hell? You know, yeah, like you, you feel like you get to know her, you get to know the family, yeah, you're rooting for her, absolutely, you're falling in love with her, yeah. and then boom, gone, yeah, sucks, yeah. Oh, I mean, I feel like there's nothing else we can add with how this that was marketed, yeah. that was pretty much it. That was, yeah, okay. Um, well, let's move on to Video Killed the Radio Star, then let's do it. Video. 
This is when we talk about the music videos. We're not going to get a chance to talk about every single video, but Angie and I are going to pick one particular video we want to talk about for whatever reason. You know, Selena didn't make any music videos for this album, obviously. Um, there were two posthumous music videos, Dreaming of You, directed by Doug Kluth, and I Could Fall in Love, directed by Hector Gallen. And then there were three other music videos that we're going to potentially maybe talk about. A More Prohibido, directed by Cecilia Mini- Miniucci. Bitty Bitty Bum Bum, directed by Cecilia Miniucci. And then the song she did with the Barrio Boys called Donde Quiera Que Estes, directed by Loris Bell. But, you know, like we said in part one, these are songs from previous projects. So hence, these music videos are from previous projects. So... Angie, which which video did you want to talk about? I actually want to talk about Dreaming of You. Oh, okay. Yeah. This is a sad one, but I think it was very well done given the circumstances. Like, I mean, pretty much that the video was centered around this couple. Yeah. Like, it was pretty much the song personified. Yeah. And I think they did a really good job with how they added Selena. It was the couple turning on the radio. Mm-hmm. in a moment and then it's like you know the radio host saying okay this is selena's song yeah check it out and yeah. then it's dreaming of you and then you know it's like all these moments with this couple mm-hmm. and then the young girl in the video she turns on the tv at one point and selena's on the tv right you know cute couple moments and it's it's like it's really well done yeah and a really great concept mm-hmm. given the circumstances and i I think they definitely should get a shout out right. for doing this this video the way that they did. Yeah. And also, it's very, very tough to create a song of somebody who was murdered not too long ago, but make it a cute romantic video while still giving us those sad, beautiful moments of like, oh, this is for Selena. Right. You know? Yeah. It's really hard to do both of those things. So kudos to those who were involved with the Dreaming of You video. Yeah, that's really well said. I I completely agree. I think they did the best that they could. And it's hard, you know, with these posthumous videos, like how do you make the artist feel part of the video when they can't physically be there anymore? Right. It was a pretty decent job. Like they were really creative with what they were able to do. And I feel like, you know, the the basic concept of the video, like had Selena not died, like I could have easily have seen Selena be the girl in that video. So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I had that as well, but just so we could maybe mention a happier video. Um, Let's do it. <laughs> um, I chose a more Prohibido oh. as the other video that I really liked. Classic. I just like it because I'm happy she at least got her desert music video moment. <laughs> yeah, yes. Because that's just <laughs> yes. such a tried tradition <laughs> yes. amongst our divas. They always go to the desert. Yeah. But basically the premise is she's in the desert and there's random props with her. Like you'll see a chair and then there's like a red wall and window and then there's like a green door frame (laughs) and she kind of like sings and dances around a guy i guess this was filmed at joshua tree in california Mm -hmm. and i liked her outfits in this one kind of similarly to Aaliyah, like selena is really she has like such a specific look you know and people admire her for her fashion yeah so i liked her fashion her outfits in this one and i guess um her sister suzette said that anytime she's wearing a shirt and it's tied up that's Chris's shirt 
So the red shirt in the video is Chris's that she's wearing. Oh. I know. Oh. This outfit's from the Amor Prohibido video that she shot in Joshua Tree, California. Yeah, that's an iconic Do you want to hear a really cool story, though? The shirt, it's Chris's. Anything that you saw Selena just tie, there were Chris's shirts. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, this video was definitely given Love Will Never Do, Janet. Oh my god, yes. And doesn't the guy kind of look like, what's his name? What's his yes, name in the video? Uh, Jaimin Hansu? No, the guy. No, oh, no, the uh, the other dude. Oh, what's his name? Oh, yeah. wait, I want to look it up, even though we don't like him because he's like a crazy now. He's a hardcore Trump supporter and stuff. Antonio Sabato Jr. That is it. The guy in this video kind of looks a little bit like Antonio Sabato Jr. Absolutely. Which is a plus. Yeah. But not anymore. <laughs> but back then, it was a plus. <laughs> But okay, Angie, so what song do you wish? This is kind of hard to answer, but like, do you wish got a music video and like what would have been the video concept treatment? So, um, you try and figure out how to answer this. <laughs> it's a weird one to answer. Okay, so I, I, I'm normally asking for like a concert, yeah, montage footage, which we got with I Could Fall in Love, but it was, it's a sad version of that song, yeah, but I would want. I could fall in love. Like, had she been alive, I would pick I could fall in love. And I would have loved for her to use the director, Billy Woodruff, Mm. who directed um, Tony Braxton's Unbreak My Heart. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want this, like, classic vibey video with, like, bedroom scenes, much like Janet's uh, again. Yeah. But I also want, like, these amazing studio moments. Mm, you know of like her making like in the movie yeah yeah yes you know yeah but again we're we're pretending like the movie never happened because right. she's alive yeah 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 right yeah but that moment in the movie is so embedded in my brain mm. that i'm like that could be such an amazing moment and then to have her like on stage that's like her ballad yeah but like in an intimate way not like the grand way that like unbreak my heart was yeah 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 because you know tony braxton has that big vocal moment so spotlights huge you know orchestra all of that stuff but selena doesn't need that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like a small stage mm. you know it's like the antithesis of what she actually was mm. you know small stage intimate she's sitting on a, a stool and she's just like, I could, you know, yeah. it's vibey. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's vibey. Yeah. It's giving vibes. I love you that. Know? I, I'm like so in with your vision right now. <laughs> I'm like, you. God damn. I wish Selena didn't fucking die. So this could have been a thing. I'm, I'm saying. And then I think having Chris, her husband, yeah. have a, like the smallest little cameo mm. would be amazing. Even though he was really, really shy. It would be a really, really amazing moment. And maybe it could happen. Like when she's doing this like intimate concert moment and he's like in the back and maybe, maybe there is like a video version of the song Mm. with like a bit more guitar. Yeah. So that he's like in the back and she's singing this song. Oh, I like this. I like this. Right. And it would be a nod to her hardcore fans because her love story was such a big topic of discussion yeah as a huge tahana artist Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i could fall in love that would be my idea very good angie i think you win 
I'm just going to say, I think you win. It's like the second time ever. Oh, my gosh. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> very good. Congratulations. <laughs> I like just, it was so hard for me to answer this because I'm just like, everything is just so incomplete. Like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I guess like if she didn't die, I would have picked Dreaming of You. And the premise would have essentially been very much what the video ended up being except obviously selena is more so the girl yeah if i were to have directed or like pitched the idea of the video i like the the music video beginning with this like image of her like looking out of her window at night mm, yeah love that you know yeah and I, I i like this idea of like maybe like she's thinking of the guy and then he drives up to her window very much like what the actual video ended up being but i would have loved if in the video she went on a date with the guy at a local county fair at night oh yeah that's cute oh yeah and there's like shimmering lights but i want to be like very clear that it's a mexican-american yeah fair festival so you could kind yeah. of see like hints of her culture integrated into the video you know, Ooh, that's yeah. what I I would have really liked. But then it kind of like cuts back, like when the song builds and it's like that. Doon, 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 late at night. Like I want there to be like kind of like a reveal that the date was a memory oh. because the guy is like no longer here, oh. which is like kind of foreboding because, you know, Selena yeah. died in real life. But uh, that would be kind of the story of the video. No, that's a good one, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think our ideas, honestly, like Selena yeah. in an alternate reality, you could you could use our ideas. Period. Boom. We sign off yeah. on this. <laughs> Period. But then in a way I was thinking like <laughs> isn't the Selena biopic like kind of an extended music video of like all of her songs? <laughs> literally. It it literally is. Uh cuz yeah. even when I think of uh Dreaming of You, the way that they use Dreaming of You in the movie was so smart because it was pretty much the theme yeah but now i picture her or j-lo in that white gown with the hair up yeah you know in that concert hall the, the rose. rose yeah Ugh, the rose the fucking rose like damn it fucking rose when she drops it catch it please and keep it in your hand oh god yeah oh my gosh yeah but yeah anytime i think of these songs it's like oh yeah Oh, Kumala Floor, I remember in the movie where she's just... Shh. Yeah. <laughs> the crowd is going calm. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. And then she does that little wave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. Oh, my God. Angie's a yes. stand of this movie. I love this movie. <laughs> so she's going to be like a one-woman show recreating the movie right now. <laughs> Because <laughs> that is literally like my favorite moment. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and the little kid pressed against the gate. To... <laughs> yeah, that's <I> Angie <laughs> pressed against the... pressed against her TV, watching the movie for like the fiftieth time. I yeah, I've seen this movie like over a hundred times. That oh is my, my god! That's shit. <laughs> but like the carnival situation. Yeah, that was definitely like the beginning of the movie when they were like at these like carnival things and yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we can move on then to the mic is on where we talk about live performances, which are usually a huge part of the era. It's not Memorex. I go on stage and my microphone is on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Selena didn't get to perform any of the, these songs. Well, except for the songs that appeared on previous albums. 
she didn't get to, you know, perform this album live. Uh, but Angie, what performance do you want to talk about that was maybe from like a previous era? So we at least have something to say because <laughs> she's a great performer. Oh, my gosh. And everyone should really make the effort to look up performances of Selena. She's so good. So fucking good. Okay. I'm absolutely 1 million percent going to pick an Astrodome. I'm sure Selena stands are going to be like, oh, no, but there is this performance. Yeah. Hit us up. Let us know what your uh, your favorite performance is. Mm-hmm. But the Astrodome is just like that girl. Yeah, it really is. If you're an entry level Selena fan or you want to get to know Selena, I highly, highly recommend you start with Live at the Astrodome. I think playing at the Astrodome was kind of like a dream come true for all of us because, I mean, that's places, you know, like Garth Brooks and George Strait and, you know, Michael Jackson's even played there. And I remember when Michael Jackson had played there, you know, I thought to myself, wow, that'd be really neat if one day, you know, it ever gets to the point, you know, where we can play there. But I'm going to pick Como La Flor, live at the Astrodome. This is actually the version of the song that I listen to. Mm. I rarely listen to like the album version. Mm-hmm. I will listen to this version in full, the full like six, seven minute version. Like it is just <sighs> the live mix of this song. Kudos to the band. Yeah. The slow intro is fucking outstanding. Yeah. It's so dramatic. Como la flor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> <it's> just Yes. <laughs> And just for reference, uh, this is like the last song of the concert. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's like her big grand finale. It's it's the grand finale. And by this point, like her deep burgundy lipstick is all over the top of the mic. Oh, deep burgundy lipstick. Give us a visual. Okay. <laughs> you know, I got to do it for the pot. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you hear her husband, Chris, on the guitar. Like yeah. Doing his thing in the back, you know. Yeah. It's a moment. Mm-hmm. She's stunning. She sounds fantastic. It's a fucking moment okay yeah you guys hear me it's a fucking moment okay And then you, you have this moment towards the end. The fireworks are, are going. Mm-hmm. And it's like over the the stage and they have a pull out shot. Yeah. Like a wide shot of the full stage uh-huh. and the stadium. And then she gets into the, the like horse drawn carriage and she's waving to the fans. <laughs> yes, her horse drawn carriage. Bruh. It's so good. It's like, damn, she's fucking 
star. Like, it's undeniable. She's a fucking star. And yeah. then it's like, oh, this is the last moment. This is the last time. Yeah. She's on stage. Yeah. Like this. This was, I believe, her last televised performance before she died. Like, everything you want in a star. Like, when we talk about artists now, we're like, oh, we wish they could do this. We want them to, like, be able to sing live and perform and dance. Selena had it. Selena fucking had it. And I think Comala Flor is the best example of her stardom for me. It's a good one. Yeah. It's a really, really good one. Okay. I'm jumping off my soapbox. No. I, I mean, I was getting excited about Comala Flor too, by the way you were talking about it. So, so I'm going to also choose something from Live from the Astrodome. Because <laughs> we always talk yeah. about Live from the Astrodome. Let's talk um i literally just had in my my google doc the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) as you should because the transitions are so good so freaking good oh my gosh you guys can obviously listen to the album which highly recommend you do but on youtube they have the full visuals so please go watch it because she's literally performing the entire time like there's no breaks she goes from one song to the next and the crowd energy is just like phenomenal oh my gosh yeah you know how like on most episodes we complain like oh god the crowd fucking sucks yeah they 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 did not suck with this afterdome and they really (laughs) help add to the energy of the performance it's so good but if i had to choose one that specifically appears in this album, I would go with Amor Prohibido. Okay. Because that's the first Spanish song she sings. Yeah. She does the disco medley and we love, oh my God, the arrangement oh of the disco medley. Boom, 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 boom. I love when she goes, do the so good. Oh my gosh. Oh, so good. <laughs> Selena and band, y'all really did that. <laughs> But then after she does the disco medley, which is sung in English, she transitions into Amor Prohibido. Mm -hmm. It's the first Spanish song on her set. It's the second song in the set. And as soon as she starts speaking in Spanish and the crowd knows like, oh, this is Amor Prohibido, you just like hear them go, wow, like they go crazy and you just can't help but get so fucking excited and like i said when we were talking about a more prohibito last episode what i love about this performance is you can hear her smiling when she's singing like she's so happy and she's just so proud to be mexican and to be performing in front of her community and it's just it's so it's just really good vibes like i love it so much like it always puts me in the best mood. Like yeah. every time I listen to this version or watch the version, 
I smile. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, <sighs> Selena. And she's just such a good performer. Like, she can really dance. It's yeah. just oh, so good. Throughout the whole album, you can hear how, like, the crowd is just giving the energy. And I think that's why yeah. I love listening to the, the live versions because they're just so animated. I mean, and there's so many times where she's just like, she stops singing and you can hear the crowd right. singing it. And it's just like, oh, yes, 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 yes. I guess we could get into Show Me the Receipts. Mm-hmm. No way. I want to see the receipts. This is where we talk about stats of the album, chart, placement, sales, awards, other notable recognition. Angie, what do you have for Show Me the Receipts? I know that I Could Fall in Love actually hit top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100. And I think it was number one on the U.S. Latin pop chart. Mm, I have that too. Yeah. And then Dreaming of You clearly was uh, the lead single. But I didn't really this this is your this is your section. Okay. I will try and fill in the blanks as best as I could. So what I have here is interestingly, following the murder trial, the album remained on the Billboard two hundred chart for forty two consecutive weeks. Period. And it remained on top of the Latin pop charts for forty two consecutive weeks until Enrique Iglesias' self titled album came out. Wow. In terms of sales, it sold 331,000 units in its first week and debuted atop the U.S. Billboard 200 chart, and it became the first and only predominantly Spanish-language album to do so. It was actually the second biggest release sales for a 1995 album behind Michael Jackson's History. That's crazy. And it was the second largest first week sales for a female musician behind Janet Jackson's Janet since the Nielsen sound scan began monitoring album sales in 1991. Those damn Jacksons! <laughs> yeah, she came behind the Jack, But to come behind the Jacksons, wow. Yeah, that's huge. Wow. In the, in the prime, well, Janet in her prime. Michael's still doing his thing. <laughs> yeah. In terms of awards, so I just have here, the Grammys did give Selena a lifetime grammy achievement in 2021 yeah i want to start with a quote that i know is very meaningful to you and to selena fans around the world the goal isn't to live forever but to create something that will that quote is being honored in the most beautiful way during the grammy awards on sunday of your sister selena is the recipient of the lifetime achievement award isn't that awesome what was your reaction to that Mind-blowing. Um, I, I believe I even got a little teary-eyed on that. There's a lot of video out there and footage of Selena when she talks about how excited she was to win the Grammy. And I was so um, honored to be able to be with her and Chris and Bill and I were there um, whenever she won the award and how amazing she looked um, that night. And and then now we're, we're 25 years later and who would have ever thought 
and that she would be honored with this Lifetime Achievement Award. And I think it's also for me, um, I'm very proud and I know she would be also in regards to the fact that we are Mexicanos, Americanos, you know, we're Mexican Americans and this is happening. So it's huge. It's, it's really huge for so many, you know, for a different couple of reasons. More importantly, the fact that her career and her life is still being celebrated so many years later. As it should well, be. As it should be. I agree. Other notable recognition I have is, you know, like I said, it was the first majority Spanish language album to debut at the top of the Billboard 200, making Selena the first Latina artist to have a predominantly Spanish language album. I think a lot of people could say, well, that's because of like her death, which yes, true. But it's also like the album wouldn't be able to sustain in the way that it did for so long, nor have the impact it did if the songs were good. And that goes for like the two, like we're really going to just count like the two English songs that are like smash hits, undeniable. Yeah. And then as well as her Spanish material. Right, right. But also, too, that goes to show how great of an artist she is, period. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... Even if everything that happened, happened, if she was a shitty artist, it wouldn't have held up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the fans would have been like, oh, this is the album. But people who are being introduced to her because she was murdered. Yeah. If they heard that and was like, nah, fam. OK, that's a Tejano thing. Love that for y'all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm not about to do anything with this. Yeah. But it goes to show like she had the crossover potential. Totally. She is that bitch. Mm -hmm. She was that bitch. Mm hmm. Like, ugh. okay, Angie. So let's bring it home. What is the impact and legacy of Selena's "Dreaming of You" this album and era? Um, like we stated before earlier in the episode, um, she's kind of like the first big wave of like yeah. the Latin fusion crossover success for Latin artists, like post Gloria Stefan. Yes. Like in the late 90s. Yeah. Specifically for American audiences. Yeah. And also, there is no J-Lo without Selena. Yeah. J-Lo would have been a background dancer for, for Janet. Yeah, literally. Uh, literally. <laughs> Go check out That's The Way Love Goes. Uh -huh. That's why she's in that video. Right. She was a background dancer. And so, like, the ripples of Selena are so big. Because once we start talking about who then crossed over yeah. post-Selena. Yeah. We started talking about the effects of J-Lo. And we're getting into like Shakira territory. Ricky Martin, you know. Enrique, all of those those artists. That sends more ripples, and it's like her impact is huge. Right, her impact is insane. Yeah, I I have the same exact thing. She definitely helped pave the way. 
for that influx that came in the late 90s and that took over in the 2000s. For those who don't know Selena's story, why is she important not just to Latin music, but to the music industry? She's just one of those very special type of artists that with her music and her spirit and her joy and her her heart Mm -hmm. really touched people. When I made my first record, it was like me and Ricky Martin and Mark Anthony and Shakira. And it was like, oh, it's the Latin explosion, (laughs) you know? Like like the English invasion one, you know, the Beatles came here. It's been happening for a long time. It's like, we're here. Yeah. (laughs) Okay? Here to stay. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Here we are at Nova's. Learn about it. Yeah. And you see that too, like not just Latin artists being able to have that crossover appeal, but the fact that American artists were then wanting to collaborate and integrate Mm. these Latin artists into their songs like right crossover is happening and selena helped set that up yeah absolutely i also have here too since you brought up j-lo that jennifer lopez owes a lot of her success to selena one million percent i mean aside from the obvious that she quite literally was able to become a movie star yeah from playing selena yeah i think despite a lot of the criticism that j-lo faces for a variety of reasons i think there's always going to be a level of protection that she has because of the selena association you know like i don't think anyone can ever completely abandon j-lo yeah i mean like she is very talented she's a great actress in her own right but there's always going to be that level of like oh we love j-lo because like selena you know one million percent because i'm gonna tell you right now Anytime she drops an album and then she sings live, I'm like, yuck. But (laughs) then I'm like, but she could act her ass off. Yeah. Reference Selena. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. You, you know, played her in 1997, so you were just 25 years old. It made you a superstar overnight. Uh, The impact that it had Mm -hmm. on my life, my career, it was a great thing for her to be my mentor, you know, in a way, and and to teach me so much about, yes, how to navigate this business, but also like how to navigate through life. Do you think she's still a mentor to others as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is one of the things that makes it so emotional. I'm I'm watching her on that scrim as the audience is watching Mm -hmm. as well and her dancing and doing all that. It's like, she was here, she'd be doing what I'm doing right now. I also just have here too that, you know, Selena was part of that era of young artists being killed or dying super young. Yeah, yeah. That happened like in the 90s into the early 2000s. Like I have here um, Kurt Cobain in 94. He died at 27. Yeah. Tupac. Well, Selena then dies. And then yeah. Tupac dies in 1996 mm-hmm. at the age of 25. Biggie dies in 1997. He's 24. Aaliyah died in 2001. She's 22. And then Left Eye dies in 2002. And she's 30. Yeah. They're all going to be tied together in some way because their deaths are kind of like, yeah. and then this one happened. And then this one happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, she's part of that. Right. Um. Oh, were you going to say something? Oh, no. I was just going to add... Um, Big pun. Oh, yes. He was a rapper. He died, um, I think, in 2000. Mm. He was young, too. This might be silly to add, but it's actually very serious. But just her story and how she died, it really gives fans a bad rap. <laughs> what were you about to say? Because of, like, the whole Yolanda Saldivar being the oh, president of the fan yeah. club. Like, okay, it's just okay. such, yes. like, it's, like, really, like, ugh. Yes. Like, her, like, it's scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what I understand when people are like, fans are crazy. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That one in particular was crazy. Absolutely. 
It's it's Eminem Stan. Yeah. Well, since this is part of our last of album series, let's talk a little bit about her estate and how well of a job or maybe not well of a job the estate has done in maintaining Selena's legacy. Yeah. So this is a little bit more tricky to answer because we love Selena, but we're not like Selena stands. We're not in the know like that. Yeah. But what's your perception of how like the, the estate has handled her death? Before I say say this, uh, Selena stands, Selena fans out there, let us know what you think yeah. of the estate. Yeah. Talk to us, you know? Yeah. And we'll share your thoughts on the pod. But in my perspective, as a casual maybe a little bit above casual Selena fan. Yeah. It seems like the estate is doing a great job with her legacy. Mm. Her music is readily available. Ding, ding, Aaliyah. Ding, ding, (laughs) right? They had the makeup lines with Mac not too long ago. I love the fact that the younger Latinas, they're just looking up to her and they want to be like her. She was inspirational and she continues to be so. When choosing the colors for the collection, we went to her makeup case and I took pictures of all the colors that she would wear. Purple was Selena's favorite color, so we felt that it was fitting for the packaging. The makeup line, it shows her different personalities. It shows the everyday Selena and the performer Selena. I love the fact that Selena and Mac are doing this together. It couldn't be a better combination. Merch is readily available. Like you could go to Walmart and see like three different Selena shirts. Like them shits is like readily available, which I appreciate. Yeah. They had released the Astrodome concert. Yes. The fans didn't really have to beg for that. It was just boom, released. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. And then the Selena film. Totally. Warner Brothers is proud to present the extraordinary story of a girl with a talent that would come to touch us all. It is Selena. I don't say this lightly. I know I'm like a really big fan of this film, but like, first of all, this movie is a fucking classic. Like, we know that. Yeah. But in all seriousness, it's probably one of the greatest biopics of all time. And like, I really don't say that lightly. Like, it is just so well done. Mm-hmm. And again, J-Lo did such a freaking great job in this film yeah to the point where like a lot of selena moments that i think of are j-lo moments playing selena right yeah that's why they're gonna forever be like interlocked yeah absolutely and she wasn't even 23 years old i mean do you ever think about i mean what if like what would she be i, mean, I she do. Was, it, it's a sad story it still gets me to this day you know because it really did mark my life at that time. And, and to get to know the family and work with them and everything, it was just, it was, a, it was an important part of my life. You found your voice through Selena. I really did. You never know what's going to happen. You have to live in the moment. You have to be present. You have to seize the day. And, and, and so I decided right after that movie to make my first record. And I did. The only downsides I do see, I didn't like the miniseries oh yeah i i mean did you did you watch that one i watched almost all of it oh wow i i wasn't able to make it past the first episode because i just thought it was so boring yeah and i felt like the costuming was bad the wigs were bad like yeah it was just like you did such a phenomenal job with the film like why does this why did you make this yeah selena We go out there and give it everything that we've got. We can make this happen. Now or never. 
it's kind of the same thing with like Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. Like at this point, we, we don't need a miniseries about the life. I would love a documentary on the music. Yeah. Just give us the music documentary. Please, whoever. <sighs> Quest. Quest love. <laughs> Please <laughs> just drop all the documentaries you can mm-hmm. about the music. But like for somebody who knew Selena, who's familiar with tonal music, like I would love just a breakdown of the music because the music is phenomenal. It'd be interesting to revisit her musical career after all of these years, especially since we've seen the evolution of Latin music in like yeah. American pop culture as well, because Absolutely. like that was the thing with Selena at this time when she was trying to cross over. So just to see like, even though she wasn't alive for that, yeah, she's still in, in a way like crossed over. Yeah. She still achieved that success. She just wasn't alive for that. Yeah. So I'd love to see a documentary that kind of like, analyzes her music right right not just like at that moment but to see how it affected right artists like even to this day yeah yeah like you said i have here like the movie we did an episode on selena's movie that's the first episode we did of diva daily so go listen to that but yeah i got mostly positive reviews i mean like who wants to be the asshole that criticizes (laughs) the selena movie it's crazy that that came out two years after she died i know wow they worked really fast to get that done like the cd the album and then movie like to get a movie going it takes a couple years so it's like yeah that takes a while right away they were like movie biopic Let's go. I mean, interestingly, they have a museum. There's a Selena Museum in Corpus Christi that's run by the family. It showcases her outfits and the Grammy that she won. There's also her red car. Mm. A future diva destination reporting live in Corpus Christi. (laughs) So when you come to the Selena Museum, you expect to see the costumes and maybe the Grammy. What's the most unexpected item in here? Oh, that's easy. What? The car. Oh! <laughs> you want to see the car? Yeah! Everybody kind of freaks out when yeah. they walk in and they see the red Porsche. This is kind of iconic to the movie scene where she's got her hands out the window and she just ran off and got married. She had a black Porsche, a brand new version of the Porsche. Oh. She had it for months, she didn't like it, so she got rid of the new Porsche to get the old used Porsche. She liked to cruise down by the water with the top off. And then I guess you can also visit Selena's grave in Corpus Christi, it seems to be open to fans. Like you can literally Google it. Yeah, and it it looks like pretty nice. I've seen some comments there that are like, I wish they could like upkeep it a little bit more, but like, you know, it looks looks fucking nicer than Whitney Houston's. I'll say that. I think I remember reading somewhere that there may be some tension between Chris, who's Selena's husband, and the estate. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It definitely seems like the family has taken charge of selena's like legacy and they seem to be keeping chris at a distance yeah i've read some fans saying they're like more pro chris Mm -hmm. but i've also read some fans saying they're more pro family yeah i've also read somewhere that the dad abraham gives like potential joe jackson vibes and some people are like oh he's just trying to you know capitalize on his daughter's death like milking it like how much more can we get blah 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 but that's all, pretty much all I have with yeah. like tea in regards to the estate. I don't know these things yeah. personally. I'm not really active in right. the Selena fandom. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you are part of that and you want to share your thoughts on how the estate has done with Selena's legacy, definitely let us know. But Angie, hypothetical question. Okay. Where do you think Selena could have gone career wise had she not passed? Ooh. We talk about Gloria Estefan. 
But I think Gloria Estefan would have been in Selena's shadows had she crossed over. Because mm. you got to also think Gloria Estefan crossed over in the 80s. Yeah. We're now in this era. Has she stayed alive? Her album probably would have came out 95. Right. We're in big budget music video era. This is post mm-hmm. Crazy Sexy Cool, the Janet era, like huge ass videos, right? She probably would have been dropping something when Michael and Janet did Scream, like all of this, right? Yeah. So to keep up with that, she probably would have had way bigger budget music videos. With the incoming rise of the Spice Girls, they probably would have tried to capitalize on merch. So there would have been a ton of Selena merch. Like, I just feel like she was in the perfect storm of doing something beyond. Because, again, she's already the Beyonce at Tejano. So it's not like she's coming in, starting from the ground up. Like, she has a fan base, right? Yeah, yeah. And she's just building on top of that. So it's like all this extra stuff would have just been like, she would have she had an empire. Yeah, I agree. I think she would have definitely successfully crossed over. Yeah. And... Especially when you put her in context with the direction of music at that time. Mm -hmm. Like we've been saying, the Latin artists and the way Latin music really took over in the late 90s into the 2000s. Like she would have been part of that, like a huge proponent to that. So um, she would have definitely been making big waves. Mm -hmm. And I think her fashion, all of that stuff with the boutiques a bit ahead of her time in that way oh yeah like i think she would have been like one of if not the biggest latin quote quote unquote like crossover artists and like so many people would probably be like tributing her now absolutely because you look at a lot of current latin artists like even a lot of them would say like oh yeah we love selena like everyone has reverence for selena you don't even have to be a latin artist to have reverence for selena because she's just so good yeah so oh Well, I do have a clip of Selena talking about her legacy and what she would like people to remember her for. So I'll play that now. When you're gone, how do you want to be remembered? As uh, not only as an entertainer, but as a person who who cared a lot. Um, And I gave the best that I could. And I tried to be the best role model that I I possibly could and, and the best person that I could. I tried to help out. And Angie... Finish this sentence. Selena's Dreaming of You is the album that blank. I was trying to figure out a good sentence. Yeah. I wanted to end it with a bang and all of that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, But the more I thought about it, it just makes me sad. Like this album freaking, it's a bummer. Like it's just, yeah. it's really a bummer. But it also, it shows the potential. Those two English songs, Dreaming of You and I Could Fall in Love, shows the potential. And that makes it even more sad. Well, we're going to have another, like, you could copy my homework, but don't make it so obvious (laughs) moment. Um, Because I literally have here, Selena's Dreaming of You is the album that makes me really sad. Because it is very evident that she was on the verge of greatness. (laughs) I promise you guys, 
Like, we don't plan this. <laughs> no, we did not plan that. So, But I feel like it's, it's very obvious. Like, you can't listen to that album and be like, oh, yeah, there's going to be this this profound, you know, statement that you can make. It's just like, no, nah, this is just fucking sad. Like, yeah, it's sad. Shit, it's sad. Because it's definitely like, it feels like, oh, my God, she was like so, robbed of so much. Yeah. She was robbed of so much. And not only was she robbed of so much, but like. Again, when you watch that Selena biopic, you really appreciate like how much of a sacrifice it was for the entire family. Like this Absolutely. wasn't just something that Selena did accomplish by herself, like her family yeah. accomplished this with her. So it was not only robbed of her, but it was robbed of her family yeah. and the life that they could have all had together. Yeah. And especially the life she was building with Chris at the time. Yeah. And it's just really sad. I could God, that was hard. Um, okay, well, Angie, if the people want to talk more with you about Selena, where can they find you? On Twitter at Poetry Soul 3 and on Instagram at Angie.Simone. And if you want to chat with me about Selena, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at INN underscore MHO and also in my humble opinion on YouTube. And if you want to contact the pod on socials, we're at Diva Daily's pod on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. And you can always email us divadailiespod at gmail.com. And if you want to share your thoughts about Selena, especially if you're a huge Selena fan and there's something that we missed or you just want to share your thoughts on Selena, you can always send us a voice message as well. We love getting voice messages. So you can either send it to us through Instagram or like email a voice recording of yourself. Just, you know, keep it at a reasonable length. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you give us a rating and review on Spotify or Apple Pod. And don't forget to subscribe because we would really, really appreciate that so we can grow this Diva Dailies community. In the next episode, we're going to be finishing off our last of album series. And we're going to be talking about... Miss Amy Winehouse's 2006 album, Back to Black, which is the last album she made before she passed away several years later. Almost there. Almost there. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this one. These episodes are a bit of a downer, but we still have so much fun talking about these artists because they deserve to be talked about and be remembered for their great art and just who they were as people and what they could have been. But that's okay. We're here talking about them. Um, R.I.P. Selena. Fuck Yolanda Saldivar. Always and forever. And with that being said, remember divas. So the thing is, a diva has to be good at what she does. <laughs>